Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm still James Carey. <laughs> back back from his uh, little break after the last one, but uh, here we are. This is episode <laughs> 221. So uh, the tension is mounting now. Um, yeah. And it's a, this is actually, we're recording, we're recording live, recording live before a studio audience. Well, actually, we've got a bunch of uh, sitcom geeks, uh, fans or friends, I would say, probably, I think. Uh, yeah, let's not, let's not get word. too clever. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. No, yeah. No. Let's, let's not run away with ourselves. Yeah, no. oh, you know, we, we got the, 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 the cool, we're the cool kids and they're all, yeah. they're all here with us and we're, we're going to be chatting to them and they're going to be asking questions and things a little later. But we thought uh, that we would use this episode that we'd look at uh, principally at sort of two areas, really. We thought it's, it's eight years now since we did episode one. And uh, we thought we'd talk about uh, the biggest changes that we think have happened since we started in 2015. Um, and then also we'll talk a little bit about what stayed the same so um yeah. i guess and we got a few other little thoughts as well but that's that's going to be um the main yeah. thrust the thrust of the episode so let's start james and ask you what do you think you have uh, seen as the biggest changes that have happened since we started recording in 2015 well, I'm going to preempt that firstly by saying you made it sound like my holiday has finished. It hasn't. My holiday is still going. Uh, and that's why I don't have my regular sound recording equipment with me. The second thing is in 2015, this is what was going on sitcom wise. OK, so in 2015 was the year Miranda was finishing with two final specials. It was also the final season of my own uh, sitcom with Richard Hurst, Bluestone 4-2. It was the beginning of Catastrophe, Car Share and Chewing Gum. Mm. Um, and big, then, big, big year for C, the letter C. There. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And Count Arthur Strong was halfway through 2013 to 2017 was right. Count Arthur Strong and Man Down. And also right. just over halfway through episodes, which ran from 2011 to 2018, The Detectorists, which began in 2014, halfway through People Just Do Nothing. And uh, it's the final season of Moon Boy and Hunderby in 2015, halfway through Uncle, and the only season of Pompidou, which is a uh, forgotten and neglected uh, verbal, uh, sorry, a physical uh, comedy. No, no, I think that there was any speaking in it at all, was it? Other no. than sort of yeah. rhubarb. Um, Not forgotten in this household. We're big, big fans of that show in this household yeah. still. Yeah. So that was, in a way, that was the landscape in 2015. That's mm. what we were either aspiring to or trying to do better than or competing with. Mm. Um, and so, you know, obviously there was, there, was, there was a lot of other stuff too. But obviously one of the big changes is those are all, those are all terrestrial shows of some form or another, BBC One, Two, Three, Channel Four. We're not really looking at Netflix or Amazon Prime or Apple TV. They were merely a um, a glint in the eye of uh, Tim Cook or uh, whoever um, was was doing all those uh, streaming services. So they were, you know, I think House of Cards obviously was the big show that kicked off Netflix, but uh, that was. Um, yeah, that so so that is obviously a really huge thing, and I I'm still unsure as to what that really means. Um, and I think there is a great big contraction coming to some extent because I just don't think they can keep making all this stuff. But yeah, obviously the big the big change is the platforms have changed to the point where I'm saying the word platform and nobody's <laughs> laughing because if we'd said platforms in 2015 on this podcast people would have just gone what who is you know who's this guy what is this this is nonsense so Train um, yeah so it's it's um so yeah obviously that's a really big thing but i still and i guess that has therefore blurred the lines between comedy and drama but in particular the big changes the expectation that you'll start with episode one and you can have a serial arc, a story arc, in a way that you just sort of couldn't really before streaming was really uh, very, very common. And so, uh, and I, I think the pendulum is swinging back towards much more episodic comedy because people are still watching 
Modern Family and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and things, which don't have particularly big uh, story arcs. Mm. So, uh, so I think, yeah, that, that's kind of, that is a really big difference, uh, I think, is the smooshing of comedy and drama together, but also with this uh, overarching story. And I, I'm still pretty ambivalent about that, but, um, but that's just me. Although, interestingly, um, to talk to, uh, if we think about what, what's, you know, what is the ultimate streaming show of the moment, and uh, it is, of course, uh, Succession. And, of course, uh, when we think about that and the kind of the core writing team of Succession are all people who started their careers writing one-line jokes for Week Ending or, or jokes for Johnny Vaughan on The Big Breakfast. Um, yeah. So that's a kind of um, that's another another way of looking at it is to say that you know our our contemporaries are are, are writing the these hit shows on on uh, streaming. Um, yeah, and not us. What's going on there? <laughs> I know. You know. I mean, I gave Tony Roach his first bloody uh, script <laughs> script um, commission there. But, yeah. Um, you know. And does he ever call you? Does he hag? No, um, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. We all we all remember pub world of pub. Tony oh, Roach, yeah. you're yeah, yeah. you're a you're a sitcom guy, really, and he would say so, really, as well. But yeah, um, yeah. he also wrote brilliant um, Holy Flying Circus, um, which oh, I yeah. thought was about the life of Brian controversy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, hats off to Tony Roach uh, yeah. but, um, and Jesse yeah. and Georgia, of course, are, who yeah. has been on this show as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's quite a, a, you know, I mean, it's quite something, really. Uh, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody is talking mm. about this, and uh, you know, and that's like different from when you have your own, when you have a hit show in the UK or something. You know, this is like, uh, you know, people in America are talking about succession. You know, people who aren't yeah. interested in in comedy at all, and I, I still can't quite get my head around the idea that this is a show that you know these people used to sit and write jokes for weekend <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. quite i can't quite get my head around that but you know that's kind of if that's where you can go you know from, yeah. from where you start out so um but yeah i mean it is a, that is a massive change and i think you know generally the uh, i suppose uh, not so much saying the internet which is obviously the, the huge thing that's changed everything in the last 25 years but i suppose broadband and online uh yeah uh the comedy is uh, again much bigger and again i think about when we were starting and and there's probably in our episode 14 where we talk about make your own youtube sketches you must be absolutely mad you know yeah. you've got to get you've got to get all this lighting gear and a camera and do this and that and the other and gradually Obviously, we came. Yeah. I mean, I I was sort of. Okay you were much more it. pro it than I was, and I was much more. You're you're, you're being very kind, Dave, but uh, yeah. I was against it, and I was wrong, or I have at least I changed my mind as the evidence and the facts changed. Uh, I like to think. Yeah, but okay. um, but yeah, no, because I, I think in a way I would still defend the principle of if time is limited and you want to be a writer and you have no interest in performing and you have x number of hours a week to spend spend it writing a really good script because there aren't many really good scripts so i think that advice still stands but if you can create some some content some audio content some visual content that you can point to 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 aid you and and you just make contacts and friends and you get experience and all that kind of stuff there are loads of upsides to it but if time is really pressing and you do just want to be a writer, as it were, and not anything else, then I, I think those other things can be a distraction. Uh, so, but equally, phones have got amazing cameras, lighting, you don't need to worry about so much. And there's just a whole grammar of of television that's, um, you know, you could pretend to be a YouTube influencer and you really do only need a phone for that. If you had a a sketch uh, thing or, you know, lots of, we, we mentioned before, like stage door Johnny or something, who's just shooting two sides of a conversation and it's both him. Mm. And I see, I watch those on Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, so the possibilities are there, but I think still, if you, if you have limited time and energy, write a script, 
I, I still I stand by it until the <laughs> penultimate episode, and I reserve the right to change my mind in episode two hundred and twenty-two. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I've kind of because uh, I I suppose what when I was pro YouTube, I, I was I, it was more that I've always been pro the principle of DIY, which goes all the way back to my teenage punk years when uh, the means of production were not available. Uh, in some cases, with very good reasons. Kept reason. out of their hands, the means of production, because the fascists. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was just watching Alan Parker yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 It was a, yeah. a video I watched about the Tunnel Club, and he was he was on uh, yeah. <laughs> being being that uh, Simon Murray being that character, like um, urban warrior, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 But mm. it was um, it was that that that's that ethos. I've I, I've always been a fan of it, and I've subsequently become a fan through uh ending up uh, writing books and self-publishing and things but actually the more time that i spend in the world of self-publishing the more i i'm coming back to what you're saying and actually thinking there are so many really crap books out there you know uh it's fantastic that there are no gatekeepers and anyone can go out there and write their book but Actually, I want more gatekeepers, please. <laughs> yeah, because you know. gatekeepers are all keeping the gates to influence yeah. and PR, and you know. there's a machine that's going. Yeah, you and... mean that there are fantastic um, podcasts and, and books out there about making making the perfect book cover and making yeah. sure your book cover is right for the algorithms of Amazon so people will buy your book and uh you know and and how to market it and how to market for you know write four books first so that you can package it and things like that. and I just want to go no 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 just write one good book first and then worry about the bloody cover and the and all that stuff yeah. um but I feel that I am definitely swimming against the tide there and ha having always been the sort of yeah diy punk yeah make your own records etc um so so yeah so i'm a little bit kind of uh torn about that now but you know it's yeah. a bit hypocr hypocritical of me i suppose really yeah yeah um i'd be yeah so i think there's a um there's a whole load of thoughts about why you'd make your own stuff as well and i think there are some good reasons to do it um but also there's that thing of if you want the thing you're making to be a thing in its own right the thing that publishing houses give you and the things that um uh that uh I, you know i just went to see bleak expectations last night and right. and mark didn't put that on at the edinburgh fringe and try to get it into a bigger and bigger space year after year after year till eventually it ended up at the West End. He eventually, he went from it being a potential West End show based on a radio show to there. And actually, once, you, once you're using other people's networks, suddenly you just get a lot more scale, a lot more quickly. So in a way, it feels like you can do something yourself, but the numbers are always going to be probably very, very small. Now that's fine if you want control, you're doing it for fun, uh, and you've tried the gatekeepers and they've all said no, but there is a lot to be said for publishing something, uh, for trying to make a sitcom that costs a million pounds to make rather than one that costs a thousand pounds to make. Uh, and yeah, so, I, but in a way, I don't think you need to choose. I think you can do both and you probably should do both. And I'm currently working on a bunch of ideas, one of which is, look, I'm just still poised to do an 8.30 pre-Watershed mainstream sitcom, which apparently they say they really, really do want. So I should totally do that. But also I should be noodling with some other ideas that either I personally can do or can turn into some kind of regular blog, audio thing. I've got a character idea for something like that. And actually, here's the other big difference, therefore, is also the rise in podcasting and audio, which has to some extent undermined the Radio 4 comedy narrative uh world which isn't quite what it was and so i'm i'm now thinking i've got this idea for a character and it would be good to get it on radio 4 it feels like a radio 4 idea but um what am i getting out of that um that's just that's not going anywhere is it and for radio 4 doesn't feel like a destination in its own right maybe like it used to the money's terrible you know the money's mm. really bad 
Um, and no, nobody talks about it. It's not cool. It doesn't get you ways into television necessarily, I don't think, in the way that it used to. So I don't know. It feels to me that although it's a great place to start writing one-liners for existing shows, in terms of try, you know, getting a sitcom on the radio which could transfer to the television, I nearly transferred two. Neither of them worked in the end, but that was before 2015, and even and they didn't work either. So it wasn't even that great to begin with. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. How do you how do you feel about that, Dave? Well, that's interesting about the uh, radio, and um, but uh, the, um, the 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 uh, the phrase that has um, stuck with me since the BCG conference, and I'd never kind of really thought of it this way, but it's when Julia McKenzie, who's head of BBC Sounds or whatever it's called now, the comedy entertainment or whatever, and she talked about when she's looking for a show. She says, oh, well, look, looking for a narrative show. She says, I'm looking for something that I think can be 18 episodes. And mm. um, I think that's, that, that's a really interesting, that feels to me like we are sort of coming back to, and coming back to your first point about, yeah, write a script. And actually, yeah, write a script and actually be imagining three series of six of this script so mm. and and that starts to be a little bit more uh believable in one you know when when you're writing your pilot and you think oh i want this you know in my dreams this is 10 series on you know a massive mm. success thing but actually and then and you get a, a, an episode and or that's it or you get a series and that's it or something but actually to think of it in terms of 18 is sort of almost feels like a kind of yeah and that almost that allows you to you know you still have to reset 17 times but it does allow you to kind of acknowledge some sort of arc and that's so yeah um, so that it and is yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i think to argue against myself as well the numbers just are so wildly different. So again, you know, and I, and who wouldn't want a three series on Radio Four? If you if you love writing sitcoms, you want to write a sitcom, and you were offered that on a plate. If you didn't take that, you'd be an idiot uh, because it still probably gets half a million listeners. Um, yeah. Maybe not quite what it used to get. I don't know what to get at six thirty, but they tend not to do the sitcoms in those in that yeah. slot. As opposed to if you have a if you have a podcast that does really really well, and I'm going to say it like this one, this <laughs> podcast does pretty well. How many listens do we get? Four thousand, five thousand over the course of a month or two after an episode is released. Yeah, I mean that puts it in the top five percent of all podcasts. You know, most yeah. podcasts get fewer than a hundred, you know, fifty percent, mm. and then it gets, you know, so. I, you know, I, I think although I'm although it's annoying to kind of have to jump through hoops for something that doesn't seem as significant as a BBC One half hour sitcom, actually a Radio Four sitcom is still a really uh, big deal. But again, the the money's not great, so don't do it for that. But it's a good way of getting experience, working with people, being a professional. It's a good calling card. It's it's much better to have. Um, you can email somebody. Uh, a link to something that's on B BBC Sounds or iPlayer rather than something that's on YouTube uh, or Apple Podcasts. Um, so, so that you know, so do it. I don't know. Is it? I mean, you, it was until recently very, very competitive as well. Radio Four in a way that it didn't. I didn't think it was when I first started out. But I don't know. Is 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 the is the is the gravity sort of shifting? Is the central gravity shifting away from Radio Four comedy, but going into more independent stuff? Um, well, independent is still, I think it's still the same that it's something like 20% of all comedy shows have to be made by independent. No, no, so. what I mean is as in like the rest is history podcast, just stuff that's completely, it's got nothing to do oh, with Oh, I the see BBC. what you mean, yeah. So, uh, well, yes, well, podcasts obviously are kind of, um, you know, they, they, they are, they, they, they'd always been, I mean, I remember I made a, a, a Radio 4 documentary in 2006, that was podcast of the week. So the word was actually around even in 2006. And so again, as, as is often the case, the BBC were there first, but you know, events, events overtook them. Um, yeah. 
But I think what's interesting, and this is also applying with radio, and, and just I hadn't thought about this until just now, and I've been kind of computing in my head the names of the shows that you mentioned at the start there. So you mentioned the shows that are about to end, uh, which are things like uh, episodes and um, your own show, Blue Stone 4-2. Mm. And, uh, but then you said, and this year we had uh, had um, Car Share, Chewing Gum, and the Catastrophe. other one. Catastrophe. Catastrophe. Yeah. And all writer-performer shows. Um, yes. Which, yeah. And even at that point, I think we were saying, this is not a great time to be a writer because it's all it's all writer performers, um, and actually, if there's a slight change that I've started to notice a little bit now, in not not a huge one, but in sort of terms of radio uh, stuff that's on the radio, that there are, I'm not so convinced that they're always just looking for perform writer performers now i do mm. think they have come back to having kind of almost neglected to the point of complete indifference the the comedy writer and i mean it was a it was a very very bad time for topical comedy for a long time and you know the uh, the um the writers guild uh were we were quite annoyed with radio for because they always used to have open door shows and they sort of gradually cut down and even up to the point just before covid i think they didn't uh, when whenever newsjack finished so they had this period of about a year and a half where they didn't actually have any shows at all bbc mm. in-house shows that were for new writers and they've they've now come back with that so uh, you've got the shows they've got uh, from radio scotland bbc radio scotland you've got breaking the news and uh, you've got the independent show you've got the skewer and now they've got their own show as well dms are open so with which does happen to have a like a performing mm. element in it as well but i mean these are writer driven shows plus bill dare's uh, sketch show please use other door so mm. There, there is more of a kind of uh, acknowledgement of writers, I think. Yeah. And I think that's partly the BBC Writers' Room did a lot of work, not of, of not just with drama and comedy drama, but comedy in its own right. And it feels yeah. like they have now handed that over to BBC Comedy. And the last conference they did, which I didn't go to in Cardiff, but it sounds like there's an awareness. There are lots of people who are very talented writers or potentially very talented writers and they're just going to write and they're not going to be in stuff. And um, But I, I think also particularly there's an awareness that for for diversity of voices as well, they can't just be as writer-performer driven because that is, again, cutting down your options. So there is a greater emphasis and desire for more voices, uh, more different uh, perspectives on, on things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it, it's, it's morphed a bit, hasn't it? Um, yeah. And uh, and and that's probably uh, for the better. And I think just to go back, and I'd be really interested to hear what comments people have got on this before we talk about stuff that's stayed the same. But because because everything has changed and changed back again, it still feels like although there is a desire for mainstream comedy, maybe even a studio comedy, you you can't do anything that feels like the last 10, 15 years hasn't happened. Um, if you watch Frasier from the 90s, where you just go, well, this is a 90s show. Whereas if you made a new show and it was basically just like Frasier, you know, I wish, then people just go, oh, this feels a bit, this feels a bit dated. This feels a bit. So I don't quite know what an, what the modern sensibility kind of looks like in a mainstream comedy context, because obviously, you know, not going out, still going, but one wonders for how much longer that's going to go. But what could a new studio sitcom be um, for the beat for a mainstream studio sitcom? I mean, I guess there was Kate and Koji on, on ITV as well. Yeah. But again, that felt like quite a bit of a throwback in some ways, didn't it? Well, I I still have this idea um, and I didn't quite get round to uh, pitching it to a comedian who I thought would be very good at it the other day. But um, I, I, I still think that there is a, a way to do audience sitcom. Um, mm which which is that you do it sort of like live at the apollo um or 
or like how Stuart Lee did his show in the pub, um, which is that you have a, a, a comedian being a comedian, but you have uh, actors. And so you, you it's like you kind of create a, something that's a stage show. And right. okay, it's not a real sitcom uh, setting, you know, it's not, there's no sofa or there might be a sofa, but there's, you know, we know, we know that we're in a theater and we know there's right. an audience there, but that feels to me like a kind of, and, and it's a sort of the best, the best of audience sitcom, which is great actors who are, you know, great uh, versatile actors, you know, you sort of your Tony Gardner type people, plus uh, like a Lee Mack or, you know, Al Murray or someone who, can't necessarily act but can command that audience and then you have the kind of techniques that they have now that that, that i don't know if you've ever been to see like a national theater uh, play at the cinema oh yeah they, yeah uh, which we we've been to a couple of those and they're quite extraordinary you go and you're watching a live show from the national theater but you're you're in your local cinema watching it and um you know the, the 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 technology, the cameras, and everything. It's just really you're not, and you can see the audience, and you can, you know, it's obviously yeah. a stage, but you know we don't mind that now. We don't, and we wouldn't mind the laughter as well. Whereas a a sitcom, a new sitcom, I think, with a you know with a sofa in one corner and a, a coffee shop in the other corner, and you know, and yeah. sort of. Uh, um, Kid, the kind of kids who were in my family, um, you know, that sort of, yeah. I don't mean my family, I mean my family. Yeah. Um, God, it doesn't, it's not going to come thank across. You for, thank you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the That's thing is, but, hmm? you, but you're thinking, so you're saying, I don't know though, if you just filmed it really trad like that, I, I don't know, if you then broadcast it, I think people would, if it was funny, I think just people would like it, they wouldn't care. Exactly. But I but but maybe they would i don't know but if it um, wasn't I mean, funny they'd hate yeah. it cause, but then they always did that with audience sitcoms anyway i mean remember what daniel peak went through with big top <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 he talked about it you know yeah he said he, said he was basically a, a war criminal you know yeah. for, for about two months yeah and, yeah yeah uh, you know so that kind of comes with the territory with with comedy doesn't it anyway yeah yeah um, any any comments about? Have you got any other big changes since twenty fifteen, Dave? We've been through your uh, list. Or I think we... that's kind of. I mean, I was going to say, you know, in a sense that one of the big changes is is the fact that there are fewer audience shows. Um, but then again, coming back to that list that you said at the beginning, one show that you didn't mention uh, that was the most popular show in twenty fifteen and is still the most popular show, Mrs. Brown's Boys. Okay, yeah, the the, uh, the elephant in the room. So yeah, um, so big shout everybody for every Mrs. Brown's Boys fan who's yeah. listening to us now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and the microphones have stayed mute um there you go um but you know people still love it um and um you know that's a kind of uh that it's still going and and say not going out is still going as you say for how long who knows and maybe upstart crow i don't know if that's still going to be going or 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 whatever but i mean you know they keep saying that those commissioning editors they keep saying yes we want audience sitcom but you're not writing them yeah. And we're saying you're not, uh, we're not writing them because you're not making them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah, love to a, just, yeah. I, like I say, I just love everybody to send in audience sitcom the next time there's a, there's a open door thing from BBC comedy. Everybody has to send an audience sitcom. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. being, being a hundred percent honest, I think, which is probably unwise, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> Bye bye, Korea. When, when it when people say though, but we're not writing them, they're so hard to write. And when you do write them, True. you the, the 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 possibilities of success seem so incredibly small, mm. and yet you do have to invest literally weeks and months of your life trying to work out um, uh, this incredibly difficult beast, which also has to be, uh, you know, mainstream and representative and 
funny and who who's your slam dunk casting potential there's no point in having your main character being someone who's incredibly difficult to cast in a way that's just going to make it a complete no-brainer and so unless you've got all those things lined up it's it's it does feel like a bit of a waste of time because you can already predict why they're going to say no to it um and because just saying yes to anything feels incredibly risky so that the yeah i don't know the longer i've done this 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 job as it were the, the the harder i know it must be for them to green light something so when they say well why don't you just write more studio sitcoms it's like yeah but i know i know how high the bar is and how narrow you know it's it's like indiana jones and the things coming down and his hats on the other side and it's it's a pretty close run thing to get anything on if you're just a writer now if you're if Sarah Milligan wanted to do a BBC One studio sitcom, I'm sure she could. And that would be, uh, that would just happen. Um, but short of that. Uh, so, yeah, I've got I've got a couple of really strong ideas, I think, at the moment. But I'm, I'm already being told, unless it has this, 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 this and this, they're not even going to take it seriously. And, and I would happily push back on three of them, but I'm not going to push back on six of them. And suddenly the idea is already in danger of being something that I now don't want to write. Um... So, yeah, it is very, very uh, tricky. Uh, on the chat in the uh, comments from folks who are joining us live, as it were, uh, we've had a question about AI, which I think is a really good one. We should probably uh, get to that as in terms of what's, what's changed. So I don't think AI has changed anything up until this point. And I think in terms of proper comedy, I don't think it's going to change anything particularly soon. But there are things where you think, wow, I think a, I think a robot could have written that. Um, you know, in terms of there are certain kind of procedural, you know, c could a bot write NCIS? You know what I mean? It's like because it's there's now so much data to go on. There's NCIS Los Angeles and NCIS Orlando or something. There's like uh, it could certainly write you a draft or two before you then had to kind of go in after it. But um but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I don't fundamentally believe that AI can write actual, even serviceable jokes. Uh, but others might take a different view on that. I do like the idea that we can uh, that, that the word bot has come back in, which is great yeah. fun for puerile comedy writers. <laughs> oh, so this bot. <laughs> <laughs> Just interrupting my own podcast to tell you that this may be our penultimate episode of Sitcom Geeks, episode 211, but there remains a huge back catalogue of episodes that you can go back and listen to. And just for the rest of this year, we'll see how it goes. We're going to keep the Patreon open. And if you go and over and look at our Patreon page, you'll see that there's a, a big back catalogue of audio stuff that was only for Patreons and will only stay for Patreons. So go and have a look at that if you want to continue to support this podcast, even retrospectively go and have a look at that and if you're already a patreon member thanks very much you can carry on you'll continue to get access to the discord chat as well which is a happy place for people to talk about comedy and writing as well so the patreon's still open if you google patreon sitcom geeks you'll find it anyway back to the show just before we we uh, came in i was listening to uh, a thing about uh, ai and um i, I have I have used ChatGPT, and much to my horror, it was incredibly helpful. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really, it's really, really useful if you to say, okay, um, I've written this uh, pilot uh, script. It's about a, um, it's about a man who's uh, he can't come to terms with the fact that he's lost his job, and uh, and then he suddenly this thing's happened, and then this happened, this happened, and make that put all that information into 25 words please and make you know really sell the idea to me in 25 words and it comes back with boom, and you go 10 here's 10 versions of it and this was just for something for a, a book thing that i was just entering i was like, like push for time i just need i needed a 20 word pricey of my my novel yeah <laughs> so i said this 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 and it went Dunk. and i had 10 ideas i mean i didn't use it but there were like two or three things in the 10 ideas that I thought, oh, well, I'll have a bit of that, a bit of that. So it is incredibly useful from that point of view. Yeah. I think, and 
in terms of comedy it's that uh, the joke um it doesn't quite even now and probably for a good few years it doesn't really understand jokes um and i think that's so it should work in commissioning then <laughs> oh, yeah. thank you yes <laughs> so uh <laughs> so it'll be writing the kind of shows that they love at the guardian yeah, uh, sick, yeah. such a funny sitcom that you know because who needs jokes, jokes in a sitcom? Yeah, um, yeah. But yes, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't quite get the kind of the the, the element of surprise or um, the removal, the momentary removal of sympathy, as Dennis Norden uh, defines the joke. Um, oh. So, um, so I think we're we're kind of from that point of view, AI is a little bit away from uh, being being used in comedy. Yeah. But I think there are. There are much bigger threats than AI yeah. at the moment, and um, yeah. you know the kind yeah, of it, um, the, the, I suppose what's going to happen to the BBC is 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 a really important thing in Britain, really. Um, mm, you know, yeah. if, if the BBC collapses, then you know so much so much stuff that's out there at the sort of starting out level uh, disappears. Yeah, um, but yeah. Um, yeah i think and there's another just just on what we were talking about um about the um audience sitcom and not writing them uh i've got a, a comment from from uh, ellie saying ellen haywood saying we should just um why don't we just write them anyway just to show people what we can do do you think there's some um, something in that James? yeah definitely so it's it's definitely worth writing one especially if you've got a show that really does feel like it can or should be a sitcom so and again, you will. I think it might get further uh, because of its format and because yeah. So I, I wouldn't shy away from it just because I think that it is such a it is such a a high bar to get over or a low bar to get under. Uh, you know, uh, however you want to phrase it. I think also particularly if if you want to write a studio sitcom, the thing is, you know, write one if you actually want to write a series. But, you know, I'm very conscious of just knowing, I'm trying to finesse for me. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm stopping doing this podcast is I'd like to spend more time writing and coming up with shows and all that kind of stuff. I need to work out what ideas can I write? Do I want to write? What ideas do they want me to write? There's no point in me writing an idea uh, trying to pitch an idea that they would have no interest in someone like me writing. Uh, so it has to be uh, organic, if if that makes sense. It's it's not all just about voice. It is it is also about interests and and um, skills and and aptitudes. And I should lean heavily on the fact that you know, although I'm a uh, you know I'm a southern white male, uh, I live in the country. And I'm I'm from an agricultural background, and I've got loads of passions about um, church stuff as well as uh, countryside stuff. Uh, I'm also obsessed with World War Two, and I had a Radio Four sitcom called Hut Thirty Three, and maybe I should do more in that area. And so it's just a question of rather than thinking, what's the kind of show that can get on? Um, it's like what kind of show could I really do well and put myself. Uh, make myself stand out as a writer for this sort of thing, even if I'm probably going to be discounted for other kinds of things. There's just not much point in me pitching. There's no point in me pitching a show to BBC Three now. Uh, it's not. It's not for people like me uh, to either watch or or to write for. So, I think it's just knowing yourself, knowing your audience, knowing what you know, what they're hoping you're going to do. Obviously, I've got a track record now, which 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 I can't get away from even if I wanted to as well. You know, that's that's the other thing. It's, you know, it's it's all kind of baked in. So I think it's a question of of leaning into that. So if you if you love studio sitcom and you want, want to write one, then write one. Um, I think I, I think you should. I think there's something as well in what you've just been saying about your personal uh, career and your personal hopes. Uh, James, mm. and I think this is something that hasn't necessarily changed, but I, I I think I've become a bit more clear about that, which is about uh, networking. I, I think it has changed a little bit since COVID that I do sense now that um, even though they might be taking less stuff, um, BBC, that they are at least interested to hear what 
people want to do and mm. the fact that there is now this show dms are open which is a new show which is not it's not a topical show it's an but it is an open door show um and it is a mixture of sketches and people uh recording their own little bits so there there is now a kind of um a, a connection a two-way connection that ha hadn't been there for a while and i do think that what you just said was really interesting about well there's no point in me writing this but i think when you're starting out yeah it's really good to get to know um these younger radio producers who are looking for you and i, I think mm. i have mentioned this a lot over the years but i think even more so now what i would do is even if you haven't got a script yet you know you're starting out and you've you've written stuff or you're interested in stuff is to get hold of the producers of the, of the shows that you like and if they're new and young and just go to them and and say look i'm starting out as a comedy writer i don't you know i, I just educate me tell me what the how the process is and mm. tell me and they might say well you know we're looking for uh we're looking for a, a, a vehicle for i don't know whoever the latest comedian is or daniel sloss or something god i'll show my age um he was the young happening thing he's probably about 96 now um but um they you know not necessarily that kind of thing but just to say well just to get a snapshot from a producer well at the moment the department's making this with that person and they're making that with this and you know they've been they've they've been looking for a show to replace just a minute mm. or something or they've been thinking about you know which obviously they're not but you know so just just just, just to learn more about the profession yeah. that's the first thing and then the second thing again off the back of what you were saying where you're talking about your your passions your specific mm. interests and uh, and it is important to to kind of go with your uh obsessions and you know the thing not um you know i hate that word passionate what are you passionate about well it, you've got to be more than that you've got to be obsessed with it you know you've got to be seeing this thing from every angle and thinking oh you know and i'm i'm no one else no one else is seeing it like this i mean yeah. i genuinely can't imagine i know a lot of i know a lot of uh comedy people in in the christian space james but i can't think of any many who do there's a few but i can't think of any that do what you you know could bring what you could Bring. Yeah, although also you've got to you've got to be realistic and read the room as well because I did have a producer say to me, you know, his his parents live in the countryside and they they're churchgoers as well and there's just nothing for them and is there is there a church based sitcom and obviously I'd be in a prime position to do it and I just said no I don't think there is I I I think if you pitch that I think they would just go but nobody goes to church who would watch this this is a completely alien world and. And so always, the idea there are that you, always attempts to do it. I yeah. Think. And I, you know, so, but I think, so there's no point trying to do Dibley again because that, that ship sailed and Dibley was a bygone world. Even when it started, there was a quite a lot of nostalgia. Obviously there was a difference because they just started to ordain uh, women as, as priests. But, but now if I wanted to try and do that, I'd have to think of a much smarter, more interesting way into, into that world rather than just, I know how to do this and I'm, I'm really passionate about it. That's still not enough. You do have to meet them halfway. You do have to preempt what the question will be, which is, I don't go to church and I don't know anybody goes to church apart from my crazy Aunt Debbie. OK, and there aren't enough crazy Aunt Debbies to watch this show. So just think, well, what what what's to one side of that thing? so that you can still write about that thing, but in an interesting way. And I, you know, I've got a project I'm still really excited about, and I, I, it's not, it doesn't look like it's happening, but a production company have been pushing it really hard, which has a church-related thing, but also has a supernatural element too, and I'm really excited about it. So I just thought, oh, that feels like much more of the moment, given that we live in a, a world where Stranger Things is an absolutely huge uh, thing. So an idea that's, that's kind of religious and supernatural and funny well that could be a way of doing it but just trying to go it's just a sitcom set in a you know rural church of england church and you can say look more people go to church on a sunday morning uh than go to football matches um you know it, true fact 
No one cares. <laughs> no one cares that that's true. And it's not going to get you anywhere. Um, you know, there may be a particular window on a world about, you know, there was a one-off pilot on Dave, I think, uh, which was a more Pentecostal kind of Nigerian uh, style uh, church, which kind of was w- was interesting and felt like a window on a world that could have been done. So you have to kind of meet them halfway think how can i how can i do a show that i want to do but in a world that isn't as interested in it as i am from uh marie uh says there's a big born again um movement in devon now so that's not that's i'm thrilled to hear that you're (laughs) down your way but yeah um, and and she also mentions that everyone else burns and actually there's also i'm thinking about rev as well that was um, years ago dave years ago but yeah um, okay yeah well yeah um but do you know what i mean in terms of like yeah. couldn't, couldn't we have I, I think that that was commissioned for a variety of reasons and it was a window in a world as in urban church that we hadn't really seen before um, not since my pilot that i wrote the vicar of deptford in 1993 that uh was exactly the same story but ah okay itv pilot that was <laughs> ah, okay but, uh, and then the vicar of dibley happened a year later yeah. oh the, wow it sounds like vicar of deptford was written at in the same time as father ted <laughs> oh, okay yeah and in fact they uh the the head of channel four at the time when i when i had my Vicar of Deptford rejected by ITV and I took it to Seamus Cassidy at Channel 4 who yeah. said to me he said well actually I'm not really interested in a, a sitcom about a vicar at the moment he said if you could make it about um, a Catholic priest and you could set it in Ireland uh, then I might be interested and I said uh, I don't think I, I'm capable I'm, I'm not the guy yeah and uh lo and behold one year two years later father ted so um but yeah you do need to sort of you do need to be aware of potential mission creep if you have a passion about something so marie's said on the chat everybody else everyone else burns which um which is not a show i would want to write because it's fundamentally basically saying this is a religious thing that is ultimately controlling and the people are mad and they're hateful because they want people else to burn. And anyone, anyone who was in their right mind would want to get out of it. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating sectarian Christianity, but that's not, a, that's not a thing that I would personally be interested in, in writing about uh, in that particular way. But, you know, I mean, never say never. But so, yeah, you just got to be aware that you still need to pitch a show that you actually want to write. If you, if you come up with a version of the show that you want to write, that you think you can sell and suddenly realise you don't want to write it, that's, that's really unfortunate. I feel a little bit like, you know, towards the end of Spinal Tap when they, they decide, so we're on episode 221 of Sitcom Geeks. And, mm. um, you know, they, uh, we're, we're going to move, we're going to have a change of direction in what this podcast's about. So we're now going to be a podcast about... Uh, pitching your favourite religious uh, sitcoms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like Sorry our jazz that. album. Well, I, was, but I was using it. I was using it as a um, as an example of how you can be passionate about no, something, no. I, I, and well, then I, there's I, a there's a toxic version of it that you actually don't want to do because it's it's actually the opposite of what you want to do. If you see what I mean, yeah. I've, um, I I can think of a, an idea that I I will I'll tell you about it after. But uh, I think oh I great, think okay, a sitcom that. James could write, and I possibly okay. like, I couldn't possibly write, but I think James could. But um, okay, well that's exciting. So, uh, but anyway, before we finish on um, what stayed the same, I think as we agree, you know, you still need to write the script, and that's uh, as you said right at the start. Yeah. Um, and having been able to pick up credits in 2015, and then not being able to, we are back now to the situation where you can still. You can pick up those BBC credits. They're just yeah. not going to get you as far as they would have done ten or fifteen years ago. But possibly not. But yeah, mm. they're worth having. You know, yeah. it's just but it's easier like, now to make your own stuff and have something else to point to as well. So yeah, um, and the thing that you often point out: people still like comedy. People still like to laugh. And they like that, laughing and they like the telly. And yeah. so you're not wasting your time if you want to write comedy for the telly. I, I still think is this is not a minority activity in terms of, you know, you're not you're not trying to do anything particularly obscure here. 
Um, so although there may be a, a, a bit of contraction in the industry over the next five years, I think, partic- uh, actually, in actual fact, comedy might do OK out of this because comedy can and probably should be cheap. Drama is expensive. Whereas once comedy, once comedy starts getting expensive, it tends to become less funny. Uh, that's kind of that's definitely a power law within within movies. The more expensive the movie, the less funny it is. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what happens as a result of that uh, contracting. Yeah. Contracting. Just before we go, to, if you've got any uh, questions for us, uh, huge crowd and. Mm. Uh, but um, there's just this one interesting thing that you added um, when we talked about what's the sa- what's changed and what stayed the same. You had a, a good question, I thought, um, for for you and for me, which would be, you know, if if we were starting out now, mm. what what would we do to break into the business? So, what would you do, James? Yeah, I, in a way, I don't I don't quite know how to answer my own question because, like, <laughs> am, am I am I forty seven in in this? Uh, thing or am I 23 um if I was if I was starting out now uh, I guess you know I I went down the BB I went down the Radio 4 route and I went down the Edinburgh Festival route and uh I don't know whether I would do that now maybe I would make my own stuff maybe I would probably try to make YouTube stuff and or, or or audio audio stuff might be my way in because obviously I obviously I like doing audio and show my credentials in that way but and also I would be entering the competitions they there just weren't any when we when I started out in in the late 90s so I would be trying to do the writers room I would be trying to uh do those other those other things but um so yeah in a way I probably would be going through the recommended routes would I go to uh, study theology. Uh, study theology. Study screenwriting. Would I do a master's? Probably not. Um, I didn't. I didn't do that because again, there weren't really any screenwriting uh, full, you know, courses. And I, I'm, you know, I'm fairly happy not to have done that. I'm not saying that anyone who has has wasted their time or money at all. But I just think that would have worked particularly uh, for me, uh, particularly because sitcom is the main thing I want to do, and those things are all a bit broader. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I would have done differently. Again, Dave, you'll start out, you, you were starting out a little bit before me or a fair bit before me, if we're honest, <laughs> but bit, again, yeah. the world was very different again, because obviously it was the comedy store players and all, you know, live comedy was becoming much more of a thing than it had been post, you know, post working men's clubs and stuff, alternative comedy and then improv and all that kind of stuff was, was a thing for you, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I was just really lucky that I decided to give up being a journalist and I moved to London just at the time when all the young ones crew were were becoming famous and so there was this nascent comedy uh, scene in London in the early 80s and n- nobody to play it and so a, a bunch of us turned up who were kind of okay but not not particularly brilliant but we learned on the job so mm. we, we we got good at doing stand-up and at that same time we got to know uh, the radio people so there was this kind of we, we were able to um you know the weekend go and do gigs and then during the week go into the bbc radio anyone could walk in <laughs> you know it really was like that and hang out there and meet producers and 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 come up with ideas and be in the room when someone says hey we need a sketch for this or we need a joke you know so andy hamilton might come in with a thing say oh anyone got a joke we need to, for this so obviously that that world has, has long since vanished but i think what i would do i would try and take a long-term a very much a long-term approach now mm. and i would say okay um there are x number of topical comedy shows and uh i would i would try each one to see or yeah. to try my hand and there are now uh certain given good way good ways good work practice ways to to approach a show which i never had you know, when I was doing weekending and stuff and I didn't get a line on, I'd get, get into a really bad mood. I didn't get a sketch on. I'd go into a sort of fog and a bad mood and then I I wouldn't do any, write any sketches for three weeks. That'll show them. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
But yeah, now they're, they're, say, they're the real losers in this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my comedy goal. But you know, you say like so. Breaking the news is like ten weeks, a ten week run, three lots of ten weeks. So you'll say, okay, it runs from whenever February to to uh, end end of April. Okay, and it, you have you you have to give in jokes on a Tuesday night or a, you know Wednesday morning and then Thursday morning. So I'm going to really concentrate all my efforts into writing some as many jokes as i can for that show just in that kind of period and and anything else will take sort of second second place mm. and hope to build something from that and then you know and do a similar thing yeah. say with the skewer and meantime like you say be mindful of the competitions and be kind of in the background be developing competition but above all I, and the, the thing that I've already mentioned, I would be wanting to get to know uh, radio producers and I'd yeah. probably go to comedy gigs and watch comedians and see if I could write jokes for them as well. But it, but I'd take one show at a time. I, I, wouldn't, I'd, I, I wouldn't try and do everything at once. I'd say, okay, this year I'm going to spend 10 weeks on this yeah. breaking news and then I'm going to go to Edinburgh and I'm going to watch yeah. 50 shows and meet you know, meet as many people as I can in Edinburgh and then I'll come back and maybe do another topical show or yeah. write a script. And, and, yeah, and, and actually, somebody. yeah, in that you've sort of highlighted the fact that in a way the it's almost overwhelming the number of things that you could do now to kickstart your yeah. writing career, whereas there just weren't there just weren't these alternative ways in. It didn't seem like uh, 20 years ago. So... Uh, you know, it makes it sound like, therefore, I'm saying, oh, it's much easier now to get into it. But of course, there's now 20 times more people trying to get into it than there were 20 years ago. So it swings and roundabouts. But I think what you said earlier is really right. And it's something that I still keep needing to remember is the fact that it's a it's a five year plan that you need. Now, Stalin didn't get many things right, but a five year plan, that's that's one of his better ones. Um, you can't change everything overnight. Um, and I, I think find the too, I look at some of Stalin's five-year plans, and I think, well, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe five-year plans. They were funny. On... <laughs> they, they were not big on laughs. No. We, we've got to be honest about that. Yeah. Um, same with Mao as well. His great leaps forward. But, yeah. um, but the the problem is the way we experience media, and when we experience oh, there's a new series on with someone I've never heard of. And it feels like they've suddenly become famous in the last year. They've suddenly become successful. And we've not seen the fact that they've basically been noodling around for seven, eight, nine years. And they've done three different Edinburgh shows, been in two other shows that you, you've never seen. And now finally, this is the thing. And then it doesn't even go. You know what I mean? It does one series and no one cares. And that's the end of that. Um... So, yeah, it just always feels like everyone else is doing better or getting on faster. And you just have to avoid that that terrible disease of comparison. It just isn't going to get you anywhere. And I've got to, you know, and, and I get it too. It doesn't go away. So, you know, uh, I've got to make sure that I don't look around and see, well, how come all these people who are less experienced than me are getting shows on TV? That, that, that just doesn't get you anywhere. What I need to do is how can I improve my skills as a writer? How can I be the kind of writer that gets offered the kind of work that I would like to do? And that, again, requires just thinking, OK, what are my what are my gifts? What are my skills? What are my opportunities? What can I do to show that I could do like an adaptation of something or I could do, um, you know, a TV movie style thing or I could do, you know, so I, I have to be constantly looking at my portfolio rather than uh, moaning about uh, other people doing this, that or the other. So, um, so yeah, yeah so it, it it's just always thinking long term as well, but just making sure that you're just doing something now, just nudging something along, start something, maybe have another little side project and think about that too, and then see how they play out and then do the next thing. And the whole time just getting out there and, talking to people because again the internet gives you the illusion that you can do everything from home and i, I and you just can't you, you do need to get out uh, a bit uh, and mingle darling mingle <laughs> there's nothing like being in a room with people laughing yeah you know and yeah. it's just um 
that that's never going to go well i guess it might go away and it did with yeah. covid but but it's what we have over yeah. those uh boring old drama people um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah who have a really clear pay structure and just you know it's a really clear way of working True. and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah, yeah but, but who cares yeah yeah but just just to mention with that comparison thing again and i mean that that certainly did for me in my stand-up days when uh, I'd been going yeah. for about eight, eight years and people who'd been going for two or three years suddenly were doing TV shows that I wasn't being asked to do. And uh, um, But the, the, the person you have to compare yourself with is the person you were uh, yeah. a year ago. And then, and then, and if you're, if you're a worse writer, than you were a year ago, then maybe that's, you know, you got a problem. That. But, but yeah. generally, you're probably a year better, you know, and so mm. next year, maybe you'll be a bit better as well. So, yeah. Um, so I, what I think we should do is we, we're going to wrap up the main podcast and we're going to keep talking over on the Patreons. So if you want to listen to the rest of it, then you can do that by joining us on Patreon. So why don't we do that? So uh, thanks very much for listening uh, to the podcast there'll be one more episode next week you could send us an email sitcomgeeks at gmail.com about your favorite or least favorite last ever episode and we'll be talking about that next time so thanks very much for listening and cheerio thank you very much